Welcome to the Cyber24 Podcast, the weekly pod dedicated to helping businesses and governmental leaders better understand the often intimidating topic of cybersecurity so you can make better decisions for your organization. I'm Marty Carpenter of 24.9. I work in strategic communication, public affairs, government relations, and I'm joined today by our cybersecurity expert, Mike Hussey of the Utah Department of Technology Services. Mike, thanks so much for being on the show with us again today. Thank you, Marty. Always, always a, a pleasure for me to be joining you and especially to talk about these great cybersecurity topics. That's always a passion of mine. Well, if you're able to join us, I always take that as at least a sign that there's not a, a, an emergency of any kind right now on the state side. So that's yeah, a good yeah, thing. Things are good right now. So when you show news. up, whew, we're feeling a lot better yeah. about it. <laughs> hey, our uh, topic, uh, this week, legislators looking to fight back against cyber criminals. Uh, they consider prohibiting state and local law enforcement from paying ransom to hackers. Uh, they say it will, it, they say that making it known that they as a state and the governments that are part of that state will not negotiate with hackers ultimately will make them less of a target. So the question is, are they correct? Now, according to the website uh, GCN.com, there are three states in the mix on this right now, at least considering a policy of this type, New York, Pennsylvania, and North Carolina. So we should get it out of the way first. This is not Utah that we're talking about, but three different states entirely. Uh, so Mike, I guess let's start here. Uh, I, I think that I can see the wisdom generally in the policy of we don't negotiate with terrorists, right? I mean, the U.S. is famous for that when it comes to anyone who would take a hostage. Hey, we, we don't negotiate. So there's just no profit in it. Uh, but I, I just don't get the sense that telling, you know, the state government telling counties, cities, school districts, whatever may be under their purview in those individual states uh, or a commonwealth in the case of Pennsylvania, uh, that they can't go out and solve a problem when a problem like this pops up is going to be all that effective. What's your take on it just when you hear that they're going to try to just tell everyone, don't pay? Well, and, and just like you said, Marty, uh, you know, we don't negotiate with terrorists. And so let me start with this. The FBI and CISA both say don't pay ransomware. Uh, that's, that's, the, that's the bottom line. But there's two really good conversations about whether to pay or not to pay. And, and the, the argument that the senator gives, uh, whether or not they could uh, be lucrative targets or not, she's saying, hey, um, there, there, there is some argument for her to say that if she takes that off the table, would cyber, cyber criminals just go somewhere else and look for a more lucrative target? Maybe. But as we discussed in, in um, prior podcasts, they have a really lucrative uh, uh, playbook here. And what they do is we talked about some of the things they do is they say, hey, we stole your data. Not only are we going to lock up your operational activities, but we're going to release that data if you don't pay the ransom. And so, uh, you know, I was reading about uh, Washington Police Department, Washington, D.C. Police Department. Uh, they lost a lot of data. Uh, they they lost maybe I, I I can't remember exactly 250 gigs or something like that of data, contained social security numbers, uh, polygraph test results of the police officer, um, even information about their confidential informants. And the the bad guys were saying, hey, if you don't pay the ransom, not only will operationally you'll still be down, but we're going to release this data. And so, uh, do you? 
do you kind of get involved and say, hey, look, we want to tamp that down uh, and and let them just sell to the highest bidder? Or what do you do? And these are difficult questions. And uh, so it's one thing to have your 911 system back online, but it's another thing to have that kind of data out in the in the dark web for sale and and it's really an interesting discussion and so would the bad actors just go another way if they say hey time out we're not going to pay the ransom and then you just have to deal with the fallout of that i i think that uh you need to really look at the entire situation to say hey should we should we protect our data um now that it's out there and get operationally turn things back on or do we just say, hey, we can live with this one. We'll we'll restore from backup. We'll get back online and operation will be up and running again. And so I think those are the conversations you need to look at. And, and I'm a little concerned at just saying, hey, we're going to take this off the table and and say you we never pay ransom. I think you need to look at the entire uh, situation and say, hey, did they extort data? Did they actually just lock up systems? What did they do? And then make a judgment call. And again, just like you said, you don't you don't negotiate with terrorists. You don't pay their their ransoms. But I think in many cases you need to look at the entirety of the situation and decide what's the right thing to do. Yeah, Republican State Senator uh, Kristen Phillips Hill from Pennsylvania was quoted in the story saying, uh, you know, if criminals know that Pennsylvania will not pay a ransom, we're going to make ourselves a less likely target for those types of attacks. I would say yes, eventually. The second part of that quote, our citizens' personal information is on the line. We have to do everything we can to protect them. And the point I hear you making, Mike, is that by prohibiting uh, a, a local government or a police department or, you know, school district, whoever, from paying a ransom not only might delay them getting back up and operating and providing the services that they need to, uh, it also potentially exposes that information. So when she says, hey, our personal, our citizens' personal information is on the line, we've got to do our part. Well, as government tends to do sometimes in trying to solve a problem, they may exacerbate a, a problem at the same time. So it's, right. it's really uh, you know, a tricky thing to try to figure out the right way to move forward. Yeah. And, and that's, that's the difficult thing. And that's why I say, hey, just to to say, hey, we're taking that off the table. You know, I I would I would be a little reticent to say, yeah, that's the solution, and that the bad actors are going to go somewhere else. I I just I feel like you need to look at the the the, the entire entirety of the situation you're in, and then make that call. So yeah, uh, yeah. Is is it possible that the hackers would put this policy to the test? I mean, if if you're bold enough as one of these states to come out and say we don't negotiate with hackers if we get hit with ransomware we won't pay you know there, there's a, a a little there's a small amount of time that has to go into it for a hacker to go lock somebody up right so like they might just say oh yeah north carolina oh yeah pennsylvania oh yeah new york here we come with full force and suddenly you're not just dealing with sort of the one-off hey this school district got hit this city got hit uh ransom is you know covered by insurance or it's a small amount that we've got to take care of that Right. Now all of a sudden you're really locked up. I I just can foresee a situation where they'd say, uh, you know, they're sort of sticking their head out of the, of the ground waiting to get whacked by saying, "Hey, we're not going to pay." Well, let's let's see how much pain you can take before you'll break on that. <laughs> before um, you cave, I, I just yeah. would see that as sort of the next wave that would come to hit them. No, and and actually, you know, the hackers I hate to use the term, they've made an investment in surveilling and understanding states and even plotting their next move or waiting for a zero day to come out and where they've, they've built 
a, a large understanding of the state. And then they're going to poke and prod when, uh, when a zero day comes out. And then they're going to start looking at ways to, to have you over a barrel. Um, and so, you know, there's, there's a lot of investment that these bad actors have made in the States. And I, I don't believe just by saying, Hey, we're going to take that, that ransomware payment off the table that they're going to go away. I, I honestly don't believe that. And I think that, um, just passing a lot of ban ransomware payments, uh, to test the fortitude of, of states is really uh, something I think they will do. They'll say, hey, we'll test that policy. We'll see if you're willing to, to cave or not because, you know, they've, they've made quite an investment. They, you know, I, I sometimes talk about how much we see at the state and I think every state is dealing with this. I think every state is dealing with um, the same numbers that we're seeing, which a lot of it is surveillance traffic. A lot of it is them building a profile about the state and what you look like and what, where your threats may be when, when something uh, comes out down the road. And so they've made this, this large investment in this. And so they're just waiting for something to say, Hey, let's, let's, let's test your fortitude here and let's see how well your, your policy stands up. And, uh, I think, yeah, they, these guys are, uh, they're, they're bright and they're willing to do, to, to poke and prod and test. And, uh, I think that they, they would really test this policy if, uh, if these States pass that, um, and again, uh, I, I just don't think they're going to go away. Um, but I do think that, um, they're going to, they'll, they'll test your will. Yeah. Reports say that in 2020, around 110 state and local governments were impacted by ransomware. I actually thought that number was surprisingly low, but nearly 1,700 schools, colleges, universities were also hit. Uh, I don't know if they're a bigger target because of more students with email addresses and accesses into systems and so on. Uh, But I I get the frustration, but I I think we're in agreement, Mike, that the better use of time and energy might be to help local governments build an adequate defense and, you know, even have uh, insurance policies in place, have backups and gapped backups and all that, rather than just trying to essentially outlaw crime. Right. And, and I, I agree. I mean, those statistics, yeah, they do seem uh, low, but they still, you know, they represent a lot of money that the, the, they've gone after these bad actors. And so, yeah, I, I, um, it, it it shows that they're they're not just going to go away. They'll they'll test your will. They'll test uh, these laws that are passed, and they'll say, "Hey, you know, this is what we've got. Are you willing to to stand by that law, or do you want to do you want to have your system back online and your data back?" And I yeah. I think that yeah I I'd be a little cautious of just saying, "Hey, these are you can no longer pay them," uh, you know. And again, I, I have to fall back to the position that FBI and CISA say don't ever pay them, but uh, you know, I've seen situations and uh, been involved in situations where it actually we were able to negotiate the ransom down, and it was um, probably much less painful than if they would have not paid the ransom and tried to rebuild. It was probably less costly to, to pay the ransom and get their system back online. Yeah, of course, here in Utah, we've had 
just as recently as in the last uh, month or so, Clearfield City get hit uh, with ransomware. And uh, by the way, just to give some update on the progress of these uh, this, these pieces of legislation in North Carolina specifically, the North Carolina House has passed the legislation. Uh, the House actually approved the measure unanimously, 114 oh. to 0. Uh, you don't even uh, okay. see unanimous votes in, in primarily Republican Utah, uh, but 114 to 0 in May, and uh, it's under consideration by a Senate committee at this point. All right, time to take a break. But first, a reminder, the Cyber 24 is presented each week by our friends at Valcom. Valcom is a Utah-based IT solutions and services provider with a drive for getting IT right from ironclad security to computing and beyond. Valcom's 35 plus years means they have the experience and the expertise to help your business from desktop to the data center. Check them out at VLCM.com. Back with more on the Cyber 24 podcast presented by Valcom right after this. With the increasing number of employees working remotely everywhere around the world, businesses are now looking at supporting a mostly, if not fully, remote workforce. But just because security at the office is no longer a high priority, that doesn't mean that remote security should be overlooked or be difficult to manage. To enable remote work security at your business, Valcom recommends WatchGuard Automation Core. WatchGuard's automation security platform speeds up processes, kills threats, and empowers IT teams to do more with less. With WatchGuard, you can apply zero trust principles across networks and applications and help remote employees enable secure Wi-Fi networks. To learn more about remote work security, visit vlcmtech.com slash watchguard. That's vlcmtech.com slash watchguard. You know, servers are a key component to keeping your business up and running, but when was the last time you stopped to think about the security features on those servers? Hewlett Packard Enterprises has you covered. Introducing the world's most secure standard servers, Gen 10 servers from HPE. Maximize performance, achieve more in the same time, and lock down security features right down to the silicone. Gen 10 security features work at the firmware level, utilizing customized HPE silicon. Each Gen 10 server has a unique individual fingerprint, meaning that your server will not boot unless the firmware matches the print, locking the server end to end. Valcom is ready to help you refresh old outdated server hardware. As a long-standing HPE Platinum partner, they have the skills and the expertise to help you maximize data center efficiency without stretching the budget. Learn more about HPE Gen 10 security protection at vlcmtech.com slash gen10. That's vlcmtech.com slash gen10. Welcome back to the Cyber 24 podcast presented by Valcom. We continue our discussion with Mike Hussey from the Utah Department of Technology Services. And Mike, we were talking in the last segment about uh, this effort in three states to uh, prohibit smaller governments, uh, city governments, county governments, police departments, what have you, uh, from paying ransom. And it kind of leads to the question we didn't get to uh, in that segment. Is there a better way to help local government than just outlawing the payment of ransom? And Marty, I think that's the, the, the really the million dollar question, or in this case, maybe $500 million question, because uh, the, the, uh, there's, some, uh, there's some legislation working its way through Congress right now, and it looks like there's a lot of support with the White House, and uh, Senator Maggie Hassan of New Hampshire is working on this infrastructure bill that will bring $500 million in grants to state and local governments, including tribal governments, and it's part of a, a larger trillion-dollar infrastructure security bill. But when you see $500 million earmarked for state and locals 
to build a better defense, I think that's the right kind of support to bring rather than a no ransom bill to help them shore up the defenses. So this is, I think, the better way to go. And so really you need to focus on, I, I think, partnerships uh, with uh, the feds and states and locals and tribals to help share intelligence, et cetera. And that's something that worked its way through Utah legislature last year. And it didn't quite get over the hump where the state would help some of the counties that are struggling with with resources to shore up their defenses. Uh, but now that you see this kind of action and activity at the federal level, um, and actually there's a request in with some of this ARPA money to help uh, DTS work with locals, I think that's the right kind of resources to build uh, an adequate defense for some of these folks that may be struggling out there. Yeah. You know, it leads me to think of another type of partnership that's out there and a way that uh, some of these uh, local governments can have resources uh, dedicated to helping them. You know, more and more frequently, governors are turning to the National Guard to help with cyber attacks. And we just had uh, an exercise that was hosted in Utah at Camp Williams uh, in the last couple of weeks. So I'd love to just get your perspective as someone who's has led uh, you know, cybersecurity efforts for a state. What role does the National Guard play in in any state or in Utah in particular in addressing cybercrime? Yeah, and, and that's really a great question because they, they can be uh, a very valuable partner partner in in preventing uh, cyber crime and and like you said they they have these exercises occasionally where they come in and they'll run a tabletop exercise and that just really test your readiness uh, for a response if you fall victim to um, some challenge and uh, you know they'll they'll toss out a challenge like hey uh, this uh, the the cyber bad guys uh, were able to reverse the airflow on this SCADA device, which is a, a hood that that takes all the the um, when you're working in these very controlled environments, and they reverse the airflow and what kind of impact that might have. And so you look at these SCADA systems and you look at how. Uh, how ready you are to respond to something like that, and something you never even considered. They'll they'll throw these hypothetical situations out there, and then test your readiness and see, hey, how did you respond here? How did you respond there? And so, to really prevent some of these really challenging issues, the National Guard has been vital, and so we we've, we've really looked at them as a partner and trying to figure out uh, how to bring them on as more of a partner uh, to respond to some of the challenges that we're seeing at the state, and then and also some of the resources that they might have at their disposal. Mm -hmm. You mentioned bringing in the Mon as more of a partner. Where do you see the relationship going over the next decade between the National Guard and states and the National Guard states and more local governments? Well, and just like as I was talking about the preventing um, cyber issues, uh, they're also a great resource for response. And so just like any other uh, issue or when disaster strikes, you call in the National Guard, um, there is that same kind of mentality where you call in the National Guard when cyber disaster strikes and you bring the, them in as a resource now. And it's it's great to have them. But what we're doing now is we're, we're seeing them as partners in our cyber center. So uh, instead of trying to figure out how to establish that relationship when disaster strikes, you have a proven track record with them. You have a regular cadence. You know all the players. You bring them together in the cyber center early on. And that's what we're doing now. And so I see in the next decade continuing to shore up that, that, um, that relationship and seeing them 
just sitting around the table with you. And so again, when, when the, the disaster strikes, you're not trying to figure out the right players. You already know who the players are. You know who needs to do what. And they have, I mean, in the case of a ransomware, you might be needing to visit a lot of computers and, and uh, touching them. And they would be a great resource. Of course, uh, uh, the governor has to activate the National Guard and, the, and there may be some costs around that, but that's the last thing you're thinking about when you're in uh, the middle of a disaster. And so this, they, they could be a very valuable resource to bring to the table when, you, when disaster is true. Yeah, interesting because it's sort of trending toward an all hands on deck and better coordination uh, amongst the good guys is uh, good news for the good guys and maybe not such good news for the bad guys. Um, You're right. All right, uh, Mike, thanks so much for your insight on this. As always, uh, want to thank you for taking time out of your day to come be part of the show. Uh, as we wrap up for this episode, I want to thank our sponsors at Valcom. At Valcom, you get much more than a dedicated IT retailer. They become an extension of your IT team. Whether you're a startup or an enterprise, Valcom has the technical sales and engineering expertise to make your business more effective and more productive. Check them out at VLCM.com. That's VLCM.com. Special thanks, as always, to our supporting partners, the Utah Department of Technology Services, Mr. Hussey, uh, Kim C. Gardner Policy Institute at the University of Utah, Secuvant, the Utah Attorney General's Office, and the Utah Department of Public Safety. You can follow us on Twitter at Cyber24 underscore, or you can follow us on Facebook as well. Hit us up in either place. Let us know what you think, or if you have a topic you'd like us to discuss on a future episode. You can also rate and review the podcast if you're on Apple Podcasts. We appreciate those five-star reviews. Thanks, everyone. Have a great weekend. Stay safe online. Stay safe online.